I love a beautiful lawn. You love a beautiful lawn. Everybody loves a beautiful lawn, but they don't love how long it takes and how difficult it can be. And that is where True Green comes into play because it's the easiest and most affordable way to get that beautiful lawn. Let's be real. You've got plenty of other things to do in your free time than focus on your lawn care. So let True Green take care of all of that hard work while you get to do everything else that you want to do like go play golf. Here's what you need to do. Visit truegreen.com. Okay. It allows you to do you let them do the lawn care. And if you visit truegreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people, that is all guaranteed. You can trust true green to give you the best lawn because they are the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA tour. They offer a satisfaction guarantee and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. It's truegreen.com. Get started now. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaiman. Today, we are breaking down the 3M Open for all your DFS purposes. And joining me as he does every Tuesday, it's Greg Ducharme. What up, Greg? Oh, man, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to it. Another week back in the saddle here. It's our prediction show. It's one of my favorite show of the week. So uh, definitely looking forward to it. One of my favorite shows. Look, I mean... Yesterday's show, right, the the recap show of the whole tournament is a great time. We get the whole gang together. But I always enjoy, you know, I always enjoy the predictions. And spoiler alert, we record these on Mondays. So it's like our, our first look. I like to be able to kind of break it down with you, try to figure out what's going on, who do we like, who do we don't like. It's good good talking through process. Yeah, I agree. And then you get into some of the other things that we do tomorrow uh, on the next show, and you get a little more familiar with it. So as the week goes on, we just kind of build into it and, and start to fall in love with guys a little bit more and more. It makes for a fun week. There you go. Uh, we are on YouTube, so give us a watch on YouTube uh, at First Cut Pod. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram. It's at First Cut Pod are the handles over there. Uh, 3M Open, Greg. This is kind of, it, it's definitely a weaker field, but I find it to be one that is of great intrigue because you've got Dustin Johnson, Brooks Kepka, who I have literally no idea what to do with either of them. And then you've got Matthew Wolf trying to defend his, his championship. I mean, this is, uh, it will be categorized as a weaker strength of field, but I find it to be uh, very interesting. Last year, you remember back to this tournament last year, and it was one of the more interesting finishes that we had on tour, despite the field. So the PGA tour is something we, when, when we're looking at as a preview, you look at a field that isn't, uh, like the field we had last week, for instance, and you think it's less than. But by the time we get to Sunday, it always seems to be a thrilling finish. So <laughs> you know it's going to be an exciting event no matter what. And honestly, I'm looking at this. The conditions we're likely to get this week, I think, lend themselves to a more bunched leaderboard, uh, which means that there's, there's way more possible outcomes this week than last week, where when you get really difficult conditions, you're more likely to have a, a runaway and, um there's a little bit more, a little more breaks come into play a little bit more. So I, I like, I like these kind of events. The tour always gives us something to be excited about on Sunday. Even always. an eight shot lead last week uh, had some, had some intrigue to it. Um, here's what we've been doing, Greg. So we, we put out the bat signal. We said, Hey, if you want your DFS or betting or whatever question answered on the show, we'll do it. Just go and drop your question. Uh, along with your five-star rating, thank you, into the AppCast review section. Uh, it helps us a ton, and hopefully it helps you a ton as well because we will answer these questions. So go and drop them. We'll go through them first come, first serve. So I've got a couple here for you, Greg. And the first one is from Cardo, who asks about lineup construction when he's only playing three lineups. And really the question is, 
Should he have three basically unique lineups? So the way that I understand this is kind of like 18 different guys spread out over uh, over three lineups, or should he have a core of three or four golfers differentiate with the last couple of spots? I know how I would normally do this, Greg, but what's your thought process? Well, we're, you're the expert. Let's hear from, <laughs> from you first. I think this is very much uh, a, a personal opinion question. Uh, I personally like a three or four golfer core and differentiate between the last couple of spots because I, I think in theory, Greg, if you've spent all Monday, all Tuesday, all Wednesday, it's time to put your lineups in after all your research. The first lineup you make in theory should be your best lineup because right. your second lineup obviously wasn't what you thought was your best lineup because it would have been your first lineup. Right. So like, obviously that's not, that's, that's in theory, right? In theory, you know, when, when it starts, all of this is going to change, but your lineup should be your best lineup. So I keep a very small core of three or four guys that I like, and I differentiate the last couple of spots. Also knowing that this is going to be more, uh, this is going to be more risky, Greg. You know, if, if your three or four guys miss, you're probably not cashing any of these lineups uh, as opposed to kind of spreading it out a little bit and giving yourself three chances. So I'm, I'm, uh, I'm a high-risk, high-reward kind of guy when it comes to DFS. I'm willing to do this. Some others might be more uh, risk-adverse and they want to spread out 18 golfers in, in, in three lineups. That's fine. Just understand why you're doing it is, is my mantra, I suppose. Yeah, absolutely. So this is what I like to do. Um, and this kind of started this year. The format of this show that we do, Rick, has really helped with the lineup construction, how I actually build lineups. I recommend you take these different categories, these different levels of players, and you break them down. Take some 10K guys. Say, okay, I like I like this guy and this guy. I don't like these guys. What? Break it down. Pick out one or two guys from each level, each pricing level that you like. And then you're going to have a list of, you know, 10, 15, maybe 20 players and you can piece them together how you see fit. And, and you're going to end up likely with a, with a core of players. Um, definitely understand why you like them. I'm okay with differentiating a little bit more. Um, but I want you to have, I, I don't want you to build a lineup based on price. I want you to pick the players that you like and put them together based on price. So you kind of, you're going to get into a place where you end up taking more players than, you, you like more players than you can fit in there and you got to make your decisions based on how they fit. And, um, and that's kind of how I would go about doing it. So basically if you're only going to play a couple of lineups, pick players that you like, figure out how you're going to put them in there and whether you get a core or you get a differentiated lineup, I'm okay with either one. The next question comes from drew and this is in regards to one and done leagues. So he says his, extended into december which is common all the one and done leagues got kind of whack some end in november some end in december some are just extended right into next year it's all over the place he's 15th out of 375 which is pretty good he's in the he's in the top a uh, couple percentage points of this and he says he knows as a front runner he should be taking chalk to stay in front i agree with that but with so many tools left and wanting to be different He's getting a little hung up on strategy. So he wants some advice. Um, this, this is, I think he's on to this, Greg, where if you're in the lead, there's no reason for you to try to make up ground, right? Like you don't have to go down and play Johnny Vegas, right? And try to be the only guy with Johnny Vegas and make up ground like you, like he would if he was 350 out of 375. But because he's in 15th, he can kind of front run. Uh, right. So I, I, look at it, I look at it like for Drew. Um, look at the top five favorites every single week. Okay. Those guys eat a vast majority of the win equity. And also they're usually razor thin differences between the two. So like you look at this week, the difference between Johnson and Brooks Kepka, or the difference between Tony Finau and Paul Casey, it's pretty small. Like, let's be real. It's pretty small. So if you want to be a front runner, but different the top five, and pick the guy that you think will be the least owned out of those five. You're still going to get yourself a stud. You're still going to be able to front run, but you'll be just a little bit different. And you can find, you can kind of find your pivot spots and your leverage spots that way. Uh, well, excuse that phone that's ringing behind me. That's not, you're, you're getting a call. That's the yeah. phone. Well, maybe this is drew. Hang on. Um, so as a front runner 
And Drew, you and I have something in common. We're both front runners. Oh but our league, our, league, <laughs> our league ends at the end of tour championship. Here's what you have to consider. You've stretched, it's stretched out to December. What are the events after tour championship that would make you change your strategy? If you're looking at the U.S. Open and you're looking at Masters, it's only two events. How many events are going to draw really big names and how many of the events are going to have really big purses? We already know that the uh, events in the Asian swing on the PGA Tour are in question. They don't know if they're going to play the Zozo, the HSBC champions. They don't know if they're going to play the CJ Cup. Those events had, have really big purses. They're big time events and we don't know what's going to happen with those yet. So my advice is as the front runner, Stay the front runner by making your very best pick every week. Don't worry about who owns who. I mean, your strategy as a winner, as the leader is seriously, take the guys who are the most owned. Don't try to differentiate yourself. You want to have the same picks as the guys that are in second and third, uh, assuming those picks are going to do well. So if this week, the two guys that are closest to you pick Dustin Johnson, you would, you would want to have Dustin Johnson. They can't make up any ground on you. So don't worry about, what the other players are going to do when you're in the lead. Stick to your game, much like playing a round of golf, and pick the guy that you think is going to do best. The events from here to Tour Championship, um, and you extend it to the U.S. Open, those are going to be your biggest events, and you just need to save. I would probably be thinking in my mind, i got to save two guys for Masters. Um, because you need a you need a backup. If you save Rory for the Masters and he gets hurt heading into it, heaven forbid, well, now you're in trouble. So you want to have a, you want to have a solid backup plan for that, but you don't need to have 10 guys to save for the masters. So I would target the U S open as kind of my heavy hitters. I want to have used my heavy hitters by the time U S open come is over and then save a couple guys on the back burner for masters. And you're going to have some smaller, some less, um, less known fields in between U S open and masters. One last thing on one and done pools. We could spend five hours talking about one and done pools, especially this year because all of them have now changed and all of them yeah. are being run differently. You need to know intimately what your rules are because someone in done pools, especially tour championship, they will include the bonuses or they will not include the bonuses or they will take 20% of the winnings from the championship or they'll take 30%. And it's a staggered start. So you better be saving start like two shots clear like that is this leverage point is knowing your rules so if you've been extended find out what's going on in your league and uh be smart don't be dumb great that's my point that's my general strategy yeah, with a lot smart. of things don't be don't be dumb uh ten thousand dollar range greg it is full of names and plenty of question marks dustin johnson eleven thousand five hundred brooks kepka eleven two tony finau ten thousand nine hundred Tommy Fleetwood, 10-5. Paul Casey, 10-1. Oh, boy. Uh, I mean, I don't know what you do with Dustin Johnson after he wins and then goes 80-80 at the Memorial. Uh, Brooks Kepka looks like a shell of himself. Tony Finau melts down. Tommy Fleetwood we haven't seen. And Paul Casey uh, took an eight on a par three and missed the cut less. I, I mean, this is like, do you feel comfortable playing any of these guys? Well, see, this is... It's a hard one because now you have a couple factors here. These are big names who are not necessarily in the best of form. Tony Finau, I guess you could make an argument either way about his form. But, um, and, and last week is such a unique week because the, the conditions are just so challenging. It's so different than what you're going to get this week. You have a golf course with extremely high rough that because it was so firm, played very narrow off the tee, even though it, it, the fairways are generous, when the ball bounces like that, they play many of them extremely narrow. So uh, the greens are extremely firm and it's almost rub of the green in a lot of cases. So um, how much of last week are you going to use to determine someone's form? That's really the question that I have. And, and then also like Dustin Johnson, he lets things roll off his back all the time. It, him missing a cut, what he does last week, win, lose or draw, it, it almost, it means so little to me. So I'm looking at DJ saying, okay, well, he could still win this week. Am I going to pay that price for him? I mean, definitely in at least one lineup, right? I mean, he's, I'm going to get some Dustin Johnson because I know about his talent, but I'm, he's not really going to be in my core group, I, I wouldn't say. Brooks Kepka, I'm probably, he's a fade for me. 
right? I know that he's got a little, he, he's saying that the knee still isn't a hundred percent. And the short game was in complete disarray. I mean, he was one for 10 from the bunkers, eight of 30 scrambling for the week. I know it was a tough week last week, but for a, a guy like Brooks, who's a grinder to have a, maybe an injury that we're worried about and a short game that we're worried about that much. I'm, I'm staying away from him and I'll let him prove me wrong. He can make my face a, a dartboard if he wants, but I'm staying away from him this week because of what he said, because of what happened last week. I'm less worried about DJ and then Finau. I mean, that's emotional, right? I mean, you Fleetwood, we haven't seen it all. I'm probably honestly the guy I'm most, apt to play in this is Tony is, is Tommy Fleetwood. I feel the emotionally, I feel the best about playing him, even though he hasn't played. Cause I think the venue kind of suits his game pretty well. This is, this is the Sam Bradford effect. This is the unknown entity is yes. now is now a positive because we have him play bad and we've seen other guys play poorly. Like it, it is really the Sam Bradford thing. Uh, that is probably why for me, Greg, I, I don't think I'm going to play Tommy Fleetwood. Um, I believe he will be very popular. I believe that most people will say, forget about DJ, forget about Brooks, forget about meltdown Tony who can't win. I'm going to just play Tommy Fleetwood, who is very good at golf, even though I haven't seen it in five months or whatever. I mean, I think he played the API was his last event. Um, like I, I, he might like, he might be just as rusty as all these other guys when they come out. We, we saw this at the, we saw this at colonial. We saw this at RVC. Like, these guys take a couple rounds to get into. Sh- I'm not sure be a Fleetwood's like 25% owned rust shaking week. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. I'm not sure the golf course is going to expose too much rust. Now, I guess there's two ways to look at that. One way, yeah, I, I mean, this is the part you were talking about earlier. We kind of feel our sight, feel our way through the week in this episode. But yeah. there's one side of the fence here where the golf course is uh, a little is wide open. There's not a big penalty for missing into rough. There are some uh, penalty areas. There's water out there. 27 water hazards out there. Um, the greens are much more benign. It's a it's a birdie fest. It's always been a birdie fest uh, on the PGA Tour champions when they've been there in what's called the 3M Championship. Uh, and it was a birdie fest last year at the first rendition of the 3M Open, the PGA Tour event. So there will be a lot of birdies, but that, that also means the golf course isn't too challenging. And you would think a guy coming back for their first run um, you know, maybe they can put up some good numbers, but are they going to have the firepower? Is Tommy Fleetwood going to be ready to go shoot 63, 65, 68, 64 to go? That's what it may take to win this week. Yeah. Some crazy low scores. So uh, I, I guess I can see both sides of it, but I tend to be, fa- I think I'm falling for the Sam Bradford trap and Tommy Fleetwood's a play for me. Uh, I actually think my favorite here is Paul Casey. So, uh, yeah, I like him. you know, you look at this and it's, it's very easy for people to pull up his player profile and say, okay, he missed the cut last week. He must've stunk. That's really not the case at all. In, yeah. in fact, he was really good uh, striking. He gained two and a half strokes off the tee. He gained another stroke on approaches. Uh, he lost a half a stroke putting, but that's fine because that's exactly what Paul Casey always does. And then he lost four around the green, which was like the one hole. It was the 12th hole on Friday. He hits his ball, hits his tee shot on a part of the, hits it out of the bunker over the, over the lake on the other side, then hits it in the lake. Like he took an eight, he took a par three. So you're telling me like 35 holes at Muirfield village, one under, he played one of them five over and missed the cup by one. Sh- I don't care. I'll yeah. forgive and forget on that. Like, no, it's that's almost like a, a good thing because you don't have a weekend. to. I mean, the, you, you didn't go shoot 80 over the weekend, right? Yeah. Like so many others did. I mean, 980s on Sunday last week. So you didn't have to put yourself through that. It almost, I mean, it could be a benefit. I, I've, I'm like going to convince myself. By the end of the week, I'll convince myself Paul Casey wins this thing for sure. Uh, <laughs> $9,000 range. 
defending this year, Matthew Wolf, he's 97, but it's led by Bubba Watson, who's 9,900. Then this is where you really start to see the effects of this weaker field, Greg, because you've got Lucas Glover at 9,400, probably one of the most expensive prices he's ever been. Russell Henley's at 9,200, and Harris English rounds out the $9,000 tier at exactly 9,000. So this is where you start to be like, okay, uh, this feels a little bit top heavy, and then now we've got to fill in the rest of these guys. Yeah, and so this is where we now have some guys that we could feel pretty good about, uh, I think. Maybe they're priced a little bit high, but as you go lower, as you scroll down, you're going to see that they're probably very fairly priced. So the guy that sticks out to me, um, Matthew Wolf, we can talk about, but Lucas Glover is the guy that really stands out to me as the number one play. I mean, he is, for the year on tour, he's 36 off the tee, 27th approaching the green, which is outstanding. And what I also like is he's making 4.15 birdies per round, which is excellent. That's 30th on tour. So um, I love all of that. And you leave the Memorial out, which he made the cut, which is great. 74, 78 over the weekend. We've mentioned how difficult that was. That score is probably just a little bit above average, but he still came in tied 38th. Every other event he's played since the restart has been a top 25. So there's there's a lot to like about Lucas Glover here. And I think uh, solid tee to green play is going to go a long way. We saw um, Morikawa, Bryson, and Wolf all in the mix last year here. And they all were phenomenal with in, in their iron play, phenomenal off the tee. So I, I do think it's going to be an advantage to be able to hit great iron shots. And that's what Lucas Glover does. Yeah, you don't you don't even have to leave out the memorial. I mean, you can like 38th last week is great. All all things considering, that's his worst finish in the restart. Like that's fine. Yeah. He's been very solid. Um, I do like the two guys at the top. So so Bubba specifically, and I am not a Bubba guy. Like I am not a Bubba guy whatsoever. Yeah. Um, he is in- incredibly volatile, but he was like sixth in the field in strokes gained T to green last week. He was like third in strokes gained approach. Those are the things that I love. He lost six shots around and on the greens. I mean, if he does anything remotely what he did from tee to green last week and putts just bad instead of terrible, like he's in the mix here. And I feel like uh, TPC Twin Cities is a place where you can just bomb it around without any concern for anything, essentially. I mean, there's a couple water hazards out there, but like hit the rough, who cares? Yeah, rough's not really much of a, a penalty this week. So I understand where you're going there. It's just Bubba's just a hard one for me. I have a hard time I have a hard time playing him. But as you said, it's a risk kind of a week. And he's definitely risky. I I tend to side on the Matthew Wolf side here. Okay. Uh over over Bubba. I give him a slight edge. One, it, it's not really has doesn't really have much to do with the price, but I want to say, I, I want to be able to say Matthew Wolf is is gathering some consistency of course the work that charity open kind of shoots that down the rbc <laughs> heritage and the travelers kind of shoot that down but you go back to those two events 72 69 at the rbc misses the cut 68 69 at the travelers um, misses the cut it's not necessarily a sign of bad play so uh, back-to-back 77s at um, at Muirfield Village. A tough course, but you missed the cut at the workday. Open with 77 at the Memorial. Great job making the cut, but you close with 76. So he's kind of shooting down my thought. In my mind, I'm saying, okay, this guy's gathering consistency. Earlier in the year, he made a number of cuts in a row. Uh, didn't miss a cut until the waste management, and that includes the wraparound season. So, But what I like about Matthew Wolf is he has the ability to win to golf course he obviously won last year but he's also had the pops right he almost he almost won the rocket mortgage he has the firepower to go out there and make a bunch of birdies and if he's feeling free this week i give him a good chance so I, i'm going to take a, a risk on matthew wolf which we typically don't do defending yeah. champions usually don't really we don't like to give them much of a chance this week i give wolf a chance that's really my only concern is the defending champion thing. And and I, I like him from that chase pack as opposed to trying to be like, I, I don't know. It's weird when you're the defending champion. It's almost like you're trying to front run from Thursday morning. And yeah. try, it's just weird. Do you think that's true even without spectators? I don't know. And I also don't know because Matthew Wolf, this, this is his only title defense. Right. Right. It's not like a guy who defends three titles a year or something like that, or has done it 10 times in his career. This is the first time he's going back to a place he was victorious at. 
and I have no idea how he's going to react to it. Uh, but I will tell you, he opened with that 77 at Muirfield Village. But the last three rounds, if you just aggregate the last three rounds, uh, seventh in strokes gained tee to green. He was really good. He was really yeah. good even with that Sunday 76. I mean, by that point, that was basically field average. Um, it was so, 75.9 was scoring average on Sunday. Yeah. So, I mean, those, everybody was getting their butts kicked. He was, he was right there with them. So uh, I, I don't know. The, my only concern is really the, the defending champion status. I, I kind of like the way it sets up. There's a reason he won there last year. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. So I'm thinking I like this kid and I want him to turn the corner and maybe Colin Morikawa's victory and, and Victor Hovland's play will motivate him. Uh, and it should, because he can play with those guys, and he's got to know that. And those guys are are contending and some favorites in these events. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm looking at Matthew Wolf saying I think this is a week where he can really turn a corner. Okay, we're gonna jump into the eight Ks, but first we're gonna take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. And we're back. Hey, Greg, would you like to win $1,000 this week? Um, yes. Okay. Well, since you said yes, uh, let me tell you about a way you can do it. And there's no need to put your own money at stake. Just go to cbssports.com slash golf props to play. There is a full tournament game and a Sunday round showdown, both with $1,000 on the line. This prop I have for you, Greg, comes from our tournament long game. And it's who will have the better finishing position. Eric Fun Ruin. I believe is how Mark told me I pronounced that. And Dylan Fratelli or the tie. Here's the fun fact. Here's the blurb, Greg. Both from South Africa, both finished T22 last week. And actually, three of the four South Africans in the field, I think there was only four in the field, finished T22 last week. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. And Mark Gibbelman had a had a best bet with a, uh, a South with, African with, best bet. Besides now winning. Yeah, yeah. So uh, it was amazing. And that's why I kind of, we were watching it a little more closely. Um, yeah, it's a tricky one. I, I love Fratelli this week. So I'm going to go with him because I get the tie as well. But uh, yeah, Van Royen, um, I, fun, fun Royen. I think is how Mark says it is, uh, is pretty good. So I love that golf swing. I'm excited to see what he does, but I'm going to take Fratelli in the tie. Um, okay. I'll take EVR. I'll, I'll take that side of it. And I won't even spoil why, because we're going to jump right into the $8,000 range, which is where EVR is. And I'll tell you why I, I like him. So he's the top of this. There's no one at 8,900. He's 8,800. And it goes all the way down to Max Homa and Brian Harmon at a flat 8,000. My thing with EVR, it, it, he's very much feast or famine. Uh, I think he's got three top 25s in his last six, six starts, but the other three, he's missed the cut. So it's like you're getting a top 25 or he's not playing on, on the weekend. Um, he was fifth in strokes gained tee to green last week and losing three strokes putting. And if you go back in the database, Greg, the worst putting performance of his career so I highly doubt that happens again. Give me all the EVR. Yeah, I think, look, it's a, it's a great take. Uh, and I am definitely a fan of him. As I said, that golf swing is great. And last week on those greens, they can get in your head quick. And, and uh, that can have a real effect. It can really affect you in a negative way. I think the players are going to be able to, the players who played last week will be able to kind of exhale this week when they get on the greens 
Um, not that they're easy by any means, but they're, they're not as stressful where you feel like you can put it off every green if you're not, um, you know, fully engaged in the shot. So yeah, I definitely give them a little bit of a break. Those conditions aren't for everybody, uh, every single week, especially when you add in the wind, but doc Redman, I mean, is this, yes. I, I mean, I love, I'm, I'm looking at him saying he's the, he's the first guy I feel like is a little undervalued almost where I feel like I'm getting a, almost a deal with him which is crazy to say at 8,700, but 26 off the tee, 14th approach the green, 28th tee to green. You've been remarking, Rick, at how, how great he's been uh, in the restart as well. 18th in greens of regulation. He did shoot a pair of 76s at the Memorial and missed the cut, but before that, tied 21st at the Rocket Mortgage, tied 11th at the Travelers, tied 21st at the RBC Heritage, uh, all rounds 70 or below, all rounds under par except for the first round at the RBC heritage. So look, I'm thinking this guy's playing really well, hitting it really well. And I think it's a great golf course for him. How did he shoot a pair of 76s at the Memorial? Let me tell you, because it wasn't a problem with his irons or off the tee. He was again, spectacular. He lost eight strokes on the short game two around the green, six putting. It's not going to happen again. Yeah, we were talking about that, the. It's so unique that right memorial around the greens is yeah. is very unique. You have a high rough and extremely fast and slopey greens. Uh, you're not going to get that again this week. So yeah, I mean, are you worried at all? Last year, three M Open, right? One rendition. He shot 77 in the first round, um, 77 69. But the one thing, the the caveat to this is the week before was the Rocket Mortgage where he gets his special temporary exemption, right? He basically earned his PGA tour card. He earned special temporary exemption after coming in second. Do you look at that 77 in the first round at the three M and say it was more emotional than the golf course doesn't fit him? Uh, I, I certainly think that's possible, right? I mean, and, and I do think these types of courses, these type of fields are the best for him, which is like rocket mortgage type fields, 3M open type fields where you can go out and just kind of bang it around. You know, it's not, it's not 20 deep with the world's best players. I, I think it absolutely is possible that he took a, a, a sigh of, uh, of relief and went out and shot a 77 in the first round and then, and then figured it out, but it was, it wasn't enough last year. Yeah. That's what I think too. I got to ask you about one other guy that at least that pops up and these guys happen to be right in a row, right? They're all right off the top, but Henrik not Stenson Norlander yeah. is like, he's playing so good. He's popping up every single week. And it's a name that for a while we were like, who is that guy? Is he, yep. how is he in this event? And here he is showing that he's like a real PGA tour player. Is this about to end this week or is this yeah. something you're rolling with? No, this is about to end this week. This is the trap. This is this is the trap right here. And he has been uh, increasingly a, a DFS sweetheart since the yeah. tours the tours restart, and and rightfully so. He should be like he's been he's been great. He's made four straight cuts. He had a, a top ten last week. He gained eight strokes putting last week. Eight strokes putting. It was the second best in the field. It was the most of his career. Uh, it is obviously unlikely that happens again. And when you combine that with the fact that he's now like. I don't know, $2,000 more expensive. Um, this, this right here is the trap. This, this is the one I'm avoiding. So three under last week at the Memorial earns him a tied six finish. This is the thing that we talk about all the time. It's harder to make birdies than it is to make pars. And when you're putting really well and all you have to do is make pars, um, it can kind of be a little misleading on your play. When you have to go out and shoot 15 under to contend, to you know, earn your earn your pay, so so to speak, at eighty six hundred, not necessarily the easiest thing to do. So I'm with you. I think I think Norlander is a, a big fade this week. Here's one I've been messing around with. So I've been diving into the uh, putting surface, like surface of the green stats. Yeah, Pat Patrick Rogers is eighty two hundred dollars. He has gained zero point five six strokes, so a little over half a stroke putting on average on bent grass in his career. That is the 12th best in this field, but the best of anyone who has at least 50 rounds on that surface. So if you are a guy who says, okay, putting, putting surfaces matter. Patrick Rogers has a top 20 last week. He has a top 20 at colonial, which are like two of the deepest fields in recent memory. And he loves bent grass. Like, I don't know. Kind of, you can kind of get me there. 
Yeah, um, maybe he see the. <laughs> I have a. I just. Maybe. I don't trust. I don't trust him. I really like him, um, and I want him to do really well. I just don't know if I can if I can trust the guy. It's kind of boomer bust. Like, okay, tied ninth at the Farmers Insurance. So that's the kind of play we expect out of him, right? We expect him to be a, a great player coming out of Stanford, um, which was a, a, quite a while ago, and it's just been extremely up and down. So he's he's a risk. He fits the risk model, which I know you like, but generally for me, I, I think. I think he's too risky for me to play, even though I wouldn't be surprised if he had a good week. It's just like, it's a coin, it's a coin flip. Is he going to miss the cut tied 45th or tied eighth? You know, what what are you going to get out of him? So he, he's a fade for me just out of unknown. Any other quick hitters in this 8,000? I mean, Lucas has uh, T10. I think he was T10 last week here in a top 10. Uh, He won on the corn ferry a couple of weeks ago. I mean, Max Homa's here. He's been bad. Homa's missed three straight cuts. Um, I'm probably focusing on the names that we, we chatted through, but is there anybody else here? Well, you know, my favorite guy, Brian Harmon, I yeah. bring him up all the time. He played really well Are you really getting well paid by Brian year. Harmon to shill his <laughs> name out there every week? No, he just, he always <laughs> seems to be like in a comfortable sort of price range. And he's kind of a, he's a safe pick, right? He's like Patrick Rogers is extremely risky to me. You could hit a home run, although I don't know if he's ready to win. You could hit a home run or or uh, miss a cut. I, I feel like Brian Harmon gives you that safety net where he's maybe more likely to win, but he's he seems to be safe. And I know he missed the, his last three cuts, but I feel like that's a, a, a rarity. I, I don't see him. He's a cut maker. That's what that's what he does. He's missed five cuts this year, right? All three of them. Three of them are in the last week. So I... I don't know. Maybe my idea of Brian Harmon is skewed a little bit as I'm kind of scrolling through now. I see that he missed 13 cuts last year, which wasn't great. Maybe I'm thinking of 2017 Brian Harmon, 2018 Brian Harmon, where he missed three cuts. I mean, that that's the guy that I'm really thinking about. And I had an expectation for him this year that he was going to come back and, and be a steady player. And maybe it hasn't shown through. So it, it's a mild mild interest in Brian Harmon and really just because he played well here last year. Um, I, I think it was a, a top 10 last year at the three M and I have it right here. Uh, yeah. Tied seventh last year there. So, yeah. you know, you have one, you, you have only one, one case to go on as far as course history is concerned and tied seventh. It piques my interest, but I guess looking deeper, Brian Harmon's probably a, a boring pick. I like that. I like that. We just let you talk and you've talked yourself in and then yeah. out of Brian Harmon. Yeah, in this yeah. team. Like, I'm just going to let, let Greg go see what happens here. Um, well, you ask me like who else? <laughs> and I'm, I'm looking at a couple guys and his name sticks out to me. Cause I was looking, you obviously look at last year's leaderboard. Right. And then, yeah. Yeah. He doesn't pop up because he comes in tied 32nd every week. So if he misses the cut or comes in 30, you don't really see him anyway. So yeah. I don't know. Seven thousand dollar range. Uh, I will declare this is where it falls off a cliff uh, because this is usually where it starts to get pretty bad. You can usually find a guy seventy six hundred, seventy eight that's playable, but we are uh, pretty much down in the dumps here. So I, I think there's a couple of guys. Uh, Dylan Fratelli is in here. I, I think he is a fine play. Uh, you mentioned him earlier when we did our little prop. Uh, I think that his results look worse than they are. Because he had that top 10 at RBC where he posted the clubhouse score or the clubhouse lead. He finished 22nd in Memphis last week, which we, or Memphis uh, Memorial, uh, which we talked about earlier. And he has like a quote unquote miscut, but that's when he tested positive for COVID and withdrew. So it's like, you can't hold that against him. So I actually think that his results look worse than they are. I, I like, I like Fratelli this week. So he's, he's probably my favorite guy in the 70, in the 70, in the $7,000 range. Yeah. Um, what, what do you think or who else is, is, is noteworthy here? So he was definitely the top of my list. So I, I agree with you on that one for sure. The next guy that has my interest is Carlos Ortiz. Um, and the reason for that is quite simple. He last year in the 3M Open had a, a great finish of tied fifth. 
and he played really, really nicely. So there's a sign that he likes the golf course, and his results last year leading into it weren't necessarily great. He missed three cuts in kind of May and into June, um, tied 52nd at the U.S. Open, missed the cut at the Travelers, tied 55th at the Rocket Mortgage, and then rattled off um, a top five, which is a sign that the golf course suits his game really well. This year, what are we looking at heading in? Well, he did make the cut in the past two weeks, tied 61st and tied 48th, um, and an 80 in the last round. In a, in a very strange way, that really difficult Sunday performance, shooting 80 like that, can be an opportunity to reset. You can kind of just click the, okay, that was extremely difficult conditions, and I got beat up. But this week, the weaknesses in your game aren't going to show up as much and you're going to have an opportunity to kind of redeem yourself. And I'm looking for him to go out there um, and and kind of write that off and get back on track and play a, play a really nice tweak. Can I give you the guy that I think might be the worst, like most mispriced guy? Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm trying to guess. Okay. I'm trying to get, yes. is it Rafa? Think about, okay, close, K- kind of close. You're on is the right it, track. Is it Scott Stallings? No, it is definitely not. Scott <laughs> I had to, I had to throw him in there. Maybe so close with close with Rafa. Could it? I don't know if you're. Maybe think about I, how my brain thinks. Yeah, yeah. Um, Brandon Grace. No, but you're 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 on the right track. It is a, is a guy who plays primarily on the European tour, and it's Burned Wiesberger. Oh man, he is seventy two hundred. Wow, is, I didn't even get down to him. Yeah, he's eighty to one to win the golf tournament. He is the twenty ninth ranked player in the world. So I'm just gonna pause, let let that sink in for one second. Uh, but what I like from him is a couple of things. First of all, he was. I believe it was third in the race to Dubai last year, which is essentially the European Tours FedEx Cup playoffs, right? That's their yeah. that's their Who won uh, the Scottish Open. He's a winner. Yes, he won three times last year. Look at the other names in this list. These guys haven't won three times in their career combined. Throw ten of them together, let alone let alone Bernd Wiesberger winning three times last year. And I will also tell you this: he plays almost exclusively European Tour. Uh, he will play the WGCs because he qualifies for those. He did play the Memorial last week, missed the cut. This is going to be by far the weakest PGA Tour field he has ever played in because he's only ever played the Memorial and the WGCs. Like, that's it. So I, I think this is a really kind of interesting situation to get a guy who has legitimate pedigree in worldwide golf. And we always kind of joke like golf is played outside of North America. It, it is played in other places. And Bern Wiesberger is one of the best in Europe and you're getting him at $7,200, the same price. I mean, look at these guys, like, I don't know, Taylor yeah. Gooch, Cameron Tringale, like Bern Wiesberger's Pat Perez, he's behind Pat Perez and Sam Ryder and Kyle Stanley. Right. I mean, I, I think it's, I'm really glad you brought him up because he's now, he's become a lock in my lineup. You've sold oh, me on him. Now, now we're cooked. <laughs> but the interest here, Tom Lewis, who's right above him, he's a yeah. five-time winner on the European tour who won the Corn Ferry event last year. That's how, that's how he's in here. He hasn't had the success on the PGA tour. Do you think the weaker field makes it easier for a guy who's kind of a, like, like he, there are a number of, through time, there's been a number of players who have had great success on the European tour who have struggled when they try to come over and play on the PGA tour. Do you think a weaker field eases that a little bit, or do you think it has more to do with, you know, playing in Europe and then playing in the States? I think it's a little bit of both, but I do think that, I mean, just look at the official world golf rankings. The, the, the fields rank weaker in Europe. They, they do outside of a handful of events a year. um, They are generally weaker. So it makes sense that, when they come over to the PGA tour and play, you know, I don't know, whatever it is, the waste management, that's, that's probably a stronger field than a lot of the European tour events are. I mean, it almost certainly is. Uh, so I do think that getting an opportunity at that right here, which is the only event in the restart that it's going to have a weaker field in 2020 than it did in 2019 is a really interesting option to get the euros. And here's the last thing, Greg, think about the, okay. There is also a millionaire maker this week. There is a Millie maker for the 3M Open, which wow. is going to have a bunch of casuals who are only going to make lineups with guys they know. That's all they're going to do. 
And yeah. you can th- you can throw in a Tom Lewis, a Bernd Wiesberger, like a, a guy who plays twice a year on the PGA Tour and get him at like 2% and have like legit winning upside. I mean, Bernd Wiesberger's calling like, like he, he's ready to go. He's ready to rock and roll. Rick, I, I love the play down here, especially with kind of a bunched top of the top end of it where you maybe want to play a Dustin Johnson or something. These guys, at the value that they are, they're so undervalued and so talented. Um, it, it's really a good play. It's a steal, and it's going to allow you to stretch your lineup a little bit higher because the rest of the $7,000 range, as we said, um, not a lot to really hang your hat on here. So I love the play. Well, if there's not a lot to hang your hat on in the $7,000 range, let me offer you the $6,000 range. Greg, this, this is uh, – oh, mama. It is – it's bad. Uh, it's actually led off by Keith Mitchell, uh, Matthew Neesmith, Adam Shank. They're around the $6,900 range. I mean, Hudson Swafford's in here. Luke Donald's in here. I mean, there's a Kevin Tway sighting, 6200 Is there anybody you're comfortable playing in the $6,000 range? You're uh, obviously, as we say every week, you're taking a big risk, right? Um, there and, and as we said, that's something to, you can be afraid of that, but it also presents a great opportunity. So the one guy that really sticks out to me, and he is at the top of the $6,000 range, but I feel like I have something I can hang my hat on. It's Keith Mitchell, um, 41st off the tee. So he's, he's a very good driver of the ball, hits it a long way. Um, he's averaging over 300 yards, and he's a pretty good putter, right? Tied 28th in strokes gained putting. So uh, I look at a, a guy like Keith Mitchell who came off a couple of missed cuts before tied 22nd at the Memorial, um, and, and maybe that can turn a little bit of momentum. Maybe he could say, all right, all right, I'm feeling a little bit better, and he can reel off uh, a win. My one concern with a guy like Keith Mitchell, if you look at his performances, the events where he has played well, they're typically harder golf courses. Yeah, he won at Honda. He won at Honda, tied fifth at the Arnold Palmer Invitational this year. So that's the one concern for me. But uh, I like his kind of statistical makeup. A guy who drives it really well and puts it really well can have success um, in a in a tournament where you got to make a lot of birdies. Those are definitely key elements to birdie. And then the other guy that has mild interest for me is Scott Harrington, who has a very similar stat profile where he can drive it pretty well um, and putts kind of okay and above average. I wouldn't be surprised to see his name up there. Um, And lastly, and this is a guy I never know what to do with him, but he gives you almost some – I, yeah, maybe win equity is the wrong word, but I feel like he could pop up and have a give you a top five would be like an Austin Cook. But you're rolling, you're you're rolling the dice so much with him. So, uh, am I comfortable with that? No, I'm most comfortable with a, with the Keith Mitchell um, yeah. or a, a Scott, a, reluctantly a Scott Harrington. But man, I, I don't really see much else. Keith Mitchell gained strokes in all four categories last week, which was great, obviously. So I I can endorse the Keith Mitchell thing. Um, I'll tell you who I can't endorse. Let me just throw this out there. We'll just do a fade real quick because I know he's popular. Uh, It's Harry Higgs. Harry Higgs is very popular in DFS. He's been really bad. Uh, He's missed three of his last four cuts. He does not have a finish inside the top 35 since the tour's restart. And he used to be really strong from T to green. I ran this in my database. So since, so it's his last five starts. He has lost a total of 17 strokes from T to green. It is the seventh worst of anyone on tour, not in this field on tour. It's, it's really bad. So out on, out on Harry Higgs. uh, And then maybe I feel a little bit comfortable playing like, I don't know, Hudson Swafford. Uh, I think at least compared to yeah. some of the other guys in his in his pricing range, he's better from T to green. You know, he gained a couple of sh- strokes on approach at Rocket Mortgage, at Honda, at Waste Management. He hasn't played a lot, so that's kind of what we're, we're we're going with here. And then I'm still I'm I'm waiting for Sung Yul No. Um, I I'm going to keep an eye on him because he is just one of the purest swings. We know that he missed the what the two years to go do his mandatory mandatory military service in, yep. in South Korea. But th- this kid, oh my, I don't even know if he's still a kid. I don't know how old he is, but he is 
he has got one of the sweetest swings and we saw him finish 11th at travelers. That's been his best finish in a while. Um, I, I, I want to track him. I want to track him for the next couple of weeks, maybe months, see where he's going because if he's going to live in the $6,000 range and he's going to pop off every now and then, I think he's going to be popular. So he's someone to keep an eye on. Maybe not this week, but just moving forward. Yeah. I mean, look again, you're, you're taking a risk there. This kind of a tournament opens up. A lot of guys can play well here. Right. Whereas there's at, at Memorial, it's almost, well, maybe Memorial is not the best example, but you think to like Beth page black at the PGA where the, the number of guys who can play well is so limited just because of the difficulty of the golf course. You don't really get that this week. It, it almost opens up a lot more styles can kind of play well, but you mentioned some sweet swings down here at the bottom who are like one of the, greatest disappointments one of my first favorite players on the pga tour who's way down here and i was just going way to the depths um just looking to see who's who's playing who's down here and aaron badly pops up to me and this guy was one of my first favorite players at like the 2007 u.s open at oakmont and he played great until the last day when he shot 82 but it's like this sweet swing it's so simple the putting stroke is amongst the best on tour Uh, the short game is is sick to use kyle's word (laughs) yet he just he can't he can't make cuts he can't play so it's really been disappointing to me but i just wanted to give a shout out to aaron Baddeley, and it kind of highlights the fact that these guys we think of them as these like garbage like like junk players that shouldn't be in the field but they're really really good and um you know aaron Baddeley certainly one of them aaron Baddeley and ricky barnes if golf tournaments were six holes long they'd win all of them because they're <laughs> always the guy on thursday morning who's two under through six and you're like oh mama this is the week i should have picked him uh well, now unfortunately so there's 66 holes to go but if <laughs> golf tournaments were six holes those guys would be 20 time winners um, all right, Greg, that was a lot of fun. 3M yeah. open. Don't let the, don't let the field fool you, brother. I mean, there's, there's some stuff going on and, and we were, I think we talked about this off air. This is the week where the sharp people succeed because there's a lot of names that people do not know who they are. And if you've done your homework, this is a week to, to make your head. Totally agree. And like we said, I mean, don't be afraid, take a, a layout, take a piece of paper out and write down some players that you really like in each range uh, figure out a reason why to pick them and, and build some lineups that way. I think it's a great way to kind of break it down and understand how you're going to differentiate lineups and, and how you're going to get your best picks into all your lineups. A reminder that golf will be back on the airwaves this weekend on CBS, and we'll have another preview pod coming your way with the whole gang. We'll do some matchups, some more outrights, and a little prop bet action sprinkled in there as well. Let me thank Greg Ducharme for joining me today. You can find him on Twitter at TheRealGFD. You can find me on Twitter at RickRunGood. This has been The First Cut, and we'll catch you next time. most all-star studded challenge ever and this time it's every competitor for themselves best challenge ever the challenge all-stars new season now streaming on paramount plus go to paramountplus.com to try it free terms apply